Hello, I'm Tom Wilkinson, and welcome to the Thinking in English podcast. Today we have a little bit of a different episode. I'm going to answer your questions, from university application tips、uh, to my career to Japanese phrases that don't translate in English. Let's answer all of your questions today. You can find the full transcript at thinkinginenglish.blog and head over to my Instagram page. Thinking in English podcast for more content and to take part in the next Q and A. Here is today's episode. A few weeks ago, I asked my Instagram followers and podcast listeners to send me any questions they wanted to ask. It's been nearly four months since the last time I did this. And in that time, the podcast has grown a lot. There are a lot of new listeners from a lot of new countries, and I'm sure a lot of new questions people want to ask. And I had an amazing response. So many of you asked me questions. So today, I'll try my best to answer as many as I can. I'm really sorry if I. Forget to answer your question, or I didn't、uh, add it to the list.、Um, I tried to put every question I received on the document,、um, and then some of them were quite similar, so I just chose one because、uh, I didn't. I didn't want the episode to be too long. Make sure you listen to the whole episode, though, as I'll answer questions ranging from university personal statement tips、um, and listening comprehension tips、um, to my personal life. So I'm sure there will be something that you are interested in or curious about in this episode. Make sure you follow Thinking in English podcast on Instagram so you don't miss out on any of the extra content and future Q and As I do. And also, please leave a rating on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to the podcast. Now, let's take a look at your questions. So the first question came from Julia on Instagram, and she asked,、uh, "I have a letter of motivation to apply for a PhD. Got any tips?" Well, yes, I do have some tips, and actually, this kind of used to be my job, and still I do it a little bit now, helping people with university applications, especially for master's degrees. So here are my tips. When you write a letter of motivation or a personal statement, you need to answer two main questions: why them, and why you. The first question, so why them, should cover why you want to study the PhD or the master's degree or the undergraduate degree. You know your career goals. How will it benefit you? Why that specific subject? And then you should also talk about why you want to study at that specific university. And here you can be very specific, especially if you're talking about applying for a PhD or a master's degree. Talk about the courses you want to take, the facilities at the school, the professors you want to work with, the papers written by the research institutes at the university, the reputation of the school. All of these things you can talk about in your letter of motivation, as they are reasons why you want to study there. The second question, 
YU requires you to show your qualifications, experience, skills, and commitment. And the key word here is show. Instead of just saying you are highly qualified, show them that you are highly qualified with examples and evidence. You can also use the letter of motivation to explain anything that would not be obvious in the rest of your application, but you consider important. So these two questions, why you and why them, are incredibly important and basically form the basis of every single letter of motivation, a cover letter for a job, personal statement that you will ever write. However, don't fall into the trap of just listing your achievements and qualifications, because that's for a CV or a resume. Instead, think carefully and select carefully your most important, impressive and relevant information, and try to incorporate these qualifications into a letter. I said there are two main questions, but the best personal statements and letters of motivation are able to interconnect and intertwine these points. So a very simple structure could be, um, for, for a paragraph could be, start with a point about why you want to study in that department, then a reason why you are a perfect fit for the department, perhaps you have similar research interests, and then provide evidence to demonstrate this reason, such as your master's thesis was on a certain topic or you worked on a successful project in the same area. So uh, when I applied for my research scholarship at the moment, um, I'll give you an example. Um, I talked about why I wanted to study in this department to work with uh, a leading professor in the field of Japanese immigration studies. Then I talked about how my previous research during my master's degree was relevant to multiculturalism and immigration and how I wanted to investigate more and work with a leading professor in this department. And I provided evidence by talking about my previous research. So I hope this all helps. The next question is... Uh, Oh, I, I definitely can't read this name. It's on the blog, uh, but it's how do you think the war in Ukraine will end? Um, this is a really difficult question to answer. I guess I know a little more than the average person about international relations and war studies, but I'm no expert. In fact, I think most experts would struggle to accurately predict the end of the war in Ukraine. However, personally, I don't think that there will be any clear, decisive or quick end to the conflict. The issue is that neither Ukraine nor Russia are really in a position to win the war right now. Ukraine has suffered devastating destruction, entire towns have been reduced to rubble and millions of citizens have already left the country. Although it is clear that Russia is not able to take over the whole of Ukraine, Russia has now changed focus to a few key regions in the south and east of the country, and it will be very difficult for Ukraine to defeat Russia at this time. On the other hand, Russia has already lost this war in many ways. 
Russia's military has been shown to be poorly trained, poorly equipped, and unable to defeat the Ukrainian army. At least five or six top Russian generals have been killed, and Russia has lost a lot of military equipment. Moreover, the country is now cut from the global economy. If Russia's goal was to turn Ukraine into a Russia-supporting country, they have clearly failed. The problem now is that neither country can really win, depending on how you define win, I guess. But also that neither country is willing to lose. I think the conflict will continue for a while, and the result will be an unstable Ukraine, which is closely aligned to Europe, and a weakened Russia, now embarrassed by the weakness of its military and economy. But there won't be an easy end to the conflict. But what do you think? Um, let me let me know if you disagree with me. Um, I'm always interested to hear. Uh, the next question is from Marib, and it's how did you end up in Tokyo? Well, this is a, a bit of a long story. Um, I've written some details before on the blog, but I'll give a short explanation now as well. Um, in 2016, I was in my final year of university and I was looking for jobs. I loved studying and I really wanted to enter graduate school, but I couldn't afford the tuition fees. So instead, I decided to work for a few years before trying to do a master's degree. One of the jobs I applied for was as an assistant language school teacher at uh, elementary and junior high schools in Japan. I also applied for roles in India and Thailand and I applied for a job at a bank in the UK and the civil service in the UK. But the job in Japan was the most interesting and compared to the other teaching jobs, it was better paid and had a more secure contract. So I decided to move to Japan for two years. I moved across the world for two years. But I didn't speak any Japanese and I'd never eaten Japanese food and I'd never even watched the Japanese TV show. Um, I lived in the countryside in Japan for two years uh, until 2018, and I really loved it. I was fascinated by learning the Japanese language, uh, Japanese politics and society, and the entire Asian region in general. After saving my money for two years, I finally had enough money for a master's degree, and I combined my savings with uh, a loan I got as well. Um, and I enrolled in the Asian Politics MSc at SOAS, University of London. Um, and SOAS, is, I think my department has just been ranked as 15th in the world, which is pretty good, um, considering I don't think most of you know what SOAS is. During my time at SOAS, um, a lot of my professors recommended different scholarships for, uh, for me so that I could do further study, perhaps a PhD or language study. Um, I applied to a research scholarship in Japan and also a language scholarship in Taipei, and I was successful in both. So after living in Taipei for a while, I'm now in Tokyo. This was a very short explanation, and maybe one day I'll give a more detailed account of my story, because it was definitely not as simple and straightforward as I just made it seem. Um, Marib also asked a second question. Uh, could you say a little about English and Japanese culture? 
and I think I could do a whole series of episodes on the differences between Japanese and English culture. In fact, I could do a whole episode on what is culture itself. What you have to remember is that there are cultural differences not only between societies, but within societies. I live in rural, I, I lived in rural Japan for two years. That place was very different to Tokyo, where I live now. Despite this, there are a lot a there are a lot of cultural differences I have noticed over the past few years. I won't write them all now, but I'll give you a few. Um, people in Japan tend to be less direct in their language, so when I worked in a school, I noticed people were very reluctant to say no. Japanese people don't like to say no; instead, they say they use the Japanese word "choto," which means a little.、Uh, Japanese work systems are based off hierarchy and experience rather than ability. So often, the the C- CEO of a company might not be the best person, but they're the one who worked at the company for the longest.、Um, people don't eat and walk on the streets at the same time,、uh, which, but I do. So I get a lot of strange looks, strange looks when I'm eating an ice cream in summer, walking down the street.、Um, What else?、Uh, gratitude, politeness, and respect are very important here. These are all just a, a few of the differences I could think of right now.、Uh, my grad school journey asked, "Do you have any plans to have meetups in Tokyo?" A meetup in Tokyo? Sure, why not? It sounds like a really cool idea. If anyone listening lives in Tokyo or nearby, Reach out to me, and we'll try to organize a meetup in a park or a cafe. I'll put something on my Instagram as well if you are interested. Maraf asked, "How many languages do you speak?"、Um, English, I guess. Well, English is the only language I would say I speak well. I can also speak average Japanese and bad Mandarin Chinese.、Uh, at school, I took classes in French. In German,、uh, but I don't remember any French and German.、Um, at university, I took classes in Spanish, and I think I can only order beer at the moment. I can order drinks in a bar. That's probably about my Spanish ability. And I took two Hindi classes when I was in India.、Oh, what else? What other languages have I studied? Ah,、oh, I spent three weeks trying to learn the indigenous Ainu language from the north of Japan,、um, but. I ran out of time, so yeah, I've I've tried to learn a lot of languages, but really, I only speak English well. I can get by in Japanese. I have I'm conversational in Japanese. I struggle with、uh, more difficult co- topics,、um, and Mandarin Chinese. I can say a few words. What do you think of climate change? What could we do in our daily lives to tackle it? So this is a, a great. A great question, but a really difficult question. And I wish I knew the solution to climate change, and I could tell you all right now. And I have to confess that my life is not always the most eco-friendly. I could personally do a lot more. However, I also have a slightly controversial opinion on this issue. So, what should people do in their daily lives to tackle climate change? Well. You could stop using plastic, drive an electric car, stop buying food imported from other countries, but I don't really think it matters that much. 
and and this is not because I don't believe in climate change. I do believe in climate change. I think climate change is the biggest problem the world is facing right now. And it is almost certainly a problem we made ourselves. I don't think it matters because I don't think it's an individual problem. I don't think individual actions can do enough to solve the problem of climate change. Let me try to explain. Um, you could try to stop buying products with plastic packaging at the supermarket. Plastic is made from oil. It's one of the, the biggest polluters in the uh, polluting objects in the world. And supermarkets sell a lot of plastic things. So you could try to stop buying plastic uh, packaging. However, it's probably more significant if the supermarket themselves stop selling products with so much plastic. Rather than you making the choice individually to reduce your plastic, supermarkets should just reduce the plastic anyway. Uh, another example is uh, you could buy solar panels for your house so that your house uses uh, cleaner electricity. But it would probably be more effective for the government to invest in clean energy sources like wind, solar and tidal power and use that instead so that the whole country has access to clean energy. Big businesses and governments have been very successful in convincing us all that individuals should change their lives because we are causing climate change. The truth is that major industries cause significantly more damage to the environment. Without countries and companies committing to being more environmentally friendly, there is probably nothing we can do in our daily lives to stop climate change. Perhaps you could spend your effort trying to convince major oil companies, Chinese cement manufacturers and coal-using countries to be more environmentally friendly. But until these companies and countries change, I don't think reducing your plastic is going to have that much of an impact. Um, next question is from my friends over at Village Green English. Uh, what's your favorite phrase in Japanese? Another great question. Um, I'll give you a few Japanese words that don't have direct translations in English. And I think these are really interesting and you might be able to incorporate these into your vocabulary. So the first is wabi-sabi. In uh, wabi-sabi, in Japanese aesthetics and art, is the acceptance and appreciation of imperfect things. Things that may be broken, misshapen, or not perfect, but are still considered beautiful. Wabi-sabi. Next is uh, tsundoku. Tsundoku is buying lots of books, but never reading them. It literally means to let books pile up. And I'm definitely guilty of this. And a third word would be mm, ah, ikigai. Ikigai. Ikigai is something that gives you a sense of purpose or a reason to live. It can be a hobby. Um, but yeah, it's your ikigai. The next question, uh, oh, I, can't, I don't know how to say this name either. These are all Instagram usernames, but they're, they're all on the blog. Uh, what's your profession? By the way, thank you for all your helping to teach English. No problem. I'm, I'm happy to help. Um, 
what's my profession? Well, I guess I mentioned this earlier, but I'm currently a research student, a, a podcaster, and an occasional English tutor. But I don't actually have a career. So if anyone is hiring, please give me a job. Um, I need a job in September or October. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you want to hire me, please do. Um, hopefully one day I'll be able to turn thinking in English into a career, but I'm not very good with making money at the moment. But maybe in the next few weeks, you'll see something where uh, I can start making some money from, from the podcast. Uh, next is from uh, Sandor Josai. My question is, can you share your opinion about the Hungarian election? What do you think about Viktor Orban? Another difficult question. Um, and another topic I'm not an expert on. I was thinking of doing some research and writing an episode on illiberal democracy um, after the re-election of Orban, but I haven't got round to it yet. For those of you who don't know, Viktor Orban is the Prime Minister of Hungary and was re-elected for his fourth term in office earlier this month. Uh, this makes him the longest-serving leader in the EU, and his party increased in popularity during this past election. Orban is quite controversial, definitely one of the most controversial leaders in Europe, and a political scientist would describe him as an illiberal nationalist. Since being elected in 2010, Orban has changed the constitution to benefit himself, limited the power of the courts, um, taken control of parts of the media, and being accused of corruption. Orban has also suggested that he is defending Hungary from the EU, from left-wing politicians, and from George Soros, a well-known Jewish billionaire who was born in Hungary. Orban has also been very critical of Ukraine and their president Zelensky in recent weeks, and has a long friendship with Russian President Putin. Some analysts suggest that over the next few years, he may try to take complete control of Hungary's courts and legal system. So, what do I think of Orban? Well, I wouldn't have voted for him. Um, I'm not particularly a fan of right-wing nationalist governments. They always make me uncomfortable. And, and you can read, you can uh, listen to the episode on nationalism that I did uh, a few weeks ago. But you have to remember that the world is currently experiencing a rise in illiberal nationalists, not just Hungary. It's all across the world. Think about Brexit in the UK, Donald Trump in the US, Bolsonaro in Brazil, Duterte in the Philippines. Poland has become increasingly illiberal in recent years. Modi in India. Uh, Le Pen was seen as a big challenger in France. And there are countless other examples, not just in Europe, but across the whole world. Um, and the final question today is how to improve my listening comprehension. So I can't remember who asked this question. I'm really sorry. Um, you sent me an Instagram message, but I cannot find it anywhere now. Maybe you deleted your Instagram account. I'm not sure. Um, but I think your question was about how you understand the podcast when you're reading the transcript but you struggle to comprehend everything when just listening this is a problem all language learners face and something you probably will have to always face 
there will always be words, phrases or grammar you don't understand. And this is true in your native language as well. However, we don't panic when we don't understand something in our native languages. Instead, we check or guess the meaning. And this is something English learners need to get used to when listening to English. You won't understand everything all the time, but you need to be able to comprehend the overall meanings and ideas. Right, my background is in is in politics and international relations. So when I listen to podcasts about science, which I do quite often, all the time I don't understand some of the scientific words that they're using. But I don't panic and I try to guess the meaning or work out if it's if that word is actually important or not. I also struggle with listening comprehension in Japanese every day. I'm taking a Japanese debate class every Wednesday at the moment and last week I had no idea, absolutely no idea what the teacher was asking me to do. I had a bad headache, I was really tired and I was a little stressed and I just couldn't understand what she was asking me. But I took it as a study opportunity. And that is what you should do if you don't understand something from this podcast or any podcast you're listening to. Thinking in English is for English learners, advanced learners, of course, but people who are still trying to improve and develop their English skills. If I say something you don't understand, write it down and check it, check what it means later. That's what I did in my Japanese class last week. And it turns out the teacher was asking me a question using the passive voice in Japanese, which I should know. But for some reason, I couldn't remember how to answer correctly. The best way to improve your listening is practice. Listen to podcast episodes more than once. Make a note of things you don't understand. And don't panic if you are struggling. Everyone struggles while learning and language. And I think I recorded an episode a long time ago about listening comprehension. So I'll link it in the blog if I can find it. So here is today's final thought. Today, I finally got round to answering some of your questions. From my career to university application tips, hopefully you know a little bit more about me and some other interesting topics. If you ever have any questions, you're welcome to message me on Instagram or through the blog. And I try my best to answer every single question, although it's getting a little bit more difficult as I get more listeners. Do you have any tips for listening comprehension? Or do you have any recommendations for the podcast? Leave a comment on on the blog or send me a message or an answer on Spotify. And yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinking in English podcast. Please leave a rating on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen. Um, if you're on Apple, write a review. That really, really help, uh, help the podcast and help Thinking in English grow. Check out some of my other episodes. Um, you can look through the list on uh, the Thinking in English blog. 
There's lots of great content on the blog and also lots of great content on my Instagram page, Thinking in English podcast on the Instagram. I'm trying to hit 500 followers, well, not 500 followers, 500 likes on Spotify and hopefully by the end of April, close to 4,000 followers on Instagram. So hopefully you can help me achieve these goals. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can always uh, donate. Um, but the best way really is sharing with your friends, following on Spotify, making sure you listen to the whole episode, even to the me speaking right now. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. And I hope you have an excellent day.